Welcome to Rockcast AD. I am your host, Doug, and to start off this episode, I am going to say that I apologize for not getting a little more in-depth to uh, discuss the archetypes and motifs of the Wheel of Time series, but it's out of respect for potential readers of that series, and as I said in that episode, I would very much like to have people who have read this series hit me up and I would love to talk about it. Um, For me to just sit in my basement and rant about it by myself and talk about how much I love it, it would feel like giving too much away. It would be like the the cliff notes, and that's, that's not what I'm about. Robert Jordan and Brian Sanderson spent a good deal of time and effort writing up this beautiful world of fantasy, and it would just be Kind of silly of me to spend the entire time talking by myself about all the great points of the books. Books. Remember, there's 14 of them. Um, and uh, currently reading a book about Shambhala Buddhism by Ethan Nickturn right now. Don't want to talk about that too much until I have actually finished the book. But that is on the back burner Uh Shambhala Buddhism by Ethan Nickturn. It's actually something like the road, the road home. It's a contemporary, an American contemporary take on uh, a certain sect or practice of Buddhism. So I'm looking forward to talking about that one in the weeks to come. But why are we not talking about that today? Well, we're in the the grip of the Christmas season through the post office and anybody that uh, is delivering parcels this time of year, I feel for you, whether it's Speedy, DHL, FedEx, UPS, Postal Service, or Prime. My goodness, folks, is it turning into a rough one. Mm. And unfortunately, that's where I'm going to focus what I will focus on in this episode is talk and shop. So if you're not on the inside, I'm sorry, it might be boring, but it's some things that I feel I need to discuss. Um, Knowing that the holiday season was coming up and basically being a parcel veteran, I worked at UPS for over five years, and there were times during the Christmas season that we would handle upwards of 55,000 parcels through our hub any given night. And then uh, I'm coming up on my three-year anniversary with the Postal Service as a rural mail carrier. Mm. And this this season is especially weird given all the events of 2020, COVID-19, um, the COVID-19 precautions where a lot of mom and pops were forced to shut their doors and some of them never reopened. But uh, I don't know how to take it. Uh, through, through some of the uh, pieces of work that I've consumed through psychology and philosophy, um, especially with uh, what I've read so far with the Shambhala Buddhism and then the teachings of Alan Watts, I'm I'm doing fairly well on the mental end of things. I'm like kind of, and this is another 
theme from the Wheel of Time series in which the there are certain heroes in the Wheel of Time series that when push comes to shove, they enter what's called the void. It's kind of how they are able to put themselves in an instinctual flow state. And not saying that I'm some sort of Zen master, because that is very much removed from the truth. They're not even in the, the same realm at this point. But I am able to keep my head on straight and focus on what is going on right in front of me at any given time in order to manage the stress levels of the holiday season. Now, I will say that we've been lucky in this area, so we don't have any snow and very minimal ice on the ground, which does not slow us down along our routes. So that that's a nice silver lining to the situation. But then it is also weird with how things are going uh, at some of the bigger facilities with the Postal Service, apparently they don't have the staff to handle the, the workload. And so what's usually for us a total of about three weeks of just go into the office and get your ass kicked day in, day out until Christmas is over, this this season has been especially different and we're, there is no status quo to be maintained uh, it seems like every other day. So, for example, Monday. Monday was bad enough that um, my little route, and I do have what's called an aux route or auxiliary route, which it basically means that for my own route, I'm I work eight thirty to twelve thirty, Monday through Saturday, every single week. No paid holidays, uh, do have health insurance, and I do accrue vacation time, but rarely get to use the vacation time, as you've heard me possibly bitch about before. Um, but either way, I'm supposed to um, I'm supposed to be done by 12:30 every day, typically. <clears throat> now I do get called in to assist on other routes. And to, just to let you know how this holiday season is different from last holiday season is last year Christmas season 2019 for almost three weeks it was started 8 30 in the morning <clears throat> and there were a handful of nights where I didn't get home until eight o'clock we're talking just shy of 12 hour days for a solid three week period that led to me making in the neighborhood of like an extra Fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Actually, last year I think it was I made an extra three thousand dollars in the month of December. And this holiday season, I it, it's different because yes, we have increased parcels overall due to the the COVID nineteen situation. A lot more people ordering online, but it hasn't quite made sense. Um, like I said, it seems like. Every other day, we're getting slammed. <clears throat> so, Monday, December 14th, uh, basically came in, did my job, and I got smacked. <clears throat> when I first took over the route that I have, 
Uh, there, there's just over 200 households on that route, and it, it would average probably 20 to 25 parcels per day. And now that was two and a half years ago. So over this two and a half years, we've been seeing the parcel count creep up. And to put it into perspective, uh, your pay, your, like, your route salary is based on the mail count. And so the, they count the mail for, a, I think it's a two-week period, and then they crunch the numbers, and that's how they base your, your salary. Now, my route has not been counted or evaluated in over five years. So the evaluation for my mail route is based upon an average of about 15 parcels a day. And Monday, December 14th, my route had 130 parcels. And remember, I'm basically getting paid on an average of 15 parcels, but I handled 130. And other routes got hit far worse. Uh, and, and we're out in the country. We're out kind of in the boonies for some of these routes. And so I had to do my own route. Then I had to run into the head office in a neighboring town. I, I helped with some bulk loads. So I handled some huge parcels that have no business going through the Postal Service. And then I had to rush off to the town in which I live and delivered parcels for another route, picked up the outgoing... I had to meet the carrier, pick up the outgoing mail that he had, and also had to deliver parcels for the other route in this town I live, in which I live. And halfway through delivering those parcels, I got a phone call from the boss that we aren't going to make it for the outgoing mail. We have a deadline the deadline for the local office came and went. The deadline for the next closest office came and went. And so I ended up having to drive through uh, a large roaming dead zone, trying to find another carrier at about 5 o'clock at night. Luckily found that carrier, got their outgoing mail, and then had to drive in the neighborhood of 21 miles to the next closest office to get our outgoing mail on the truck. Then drive 14 miles back to where I was delivering the parcels and finish up. And ended up getting done around 6.30 p.m. So 8.30 to 6.30 p.m. without a break. And then comes Tuesday, the very following day. And I went from 130 parcels on Monday for my own route to maybe 40 on a Tuesday. Is it, you, can't, you can't count on what used to be the usual. You know, there's, there's, that, there's a certain level of expectation where you know what to expect on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday can sometimes be an, an oddball, more of a variant than anything. But 
with how the postal service is changing and with the COVID-19 issues that we're having this year, you can't count on anything other than being constantly surprised. And so by putting myself into this kind of void, accepting what comes because there is no good, there is no bad, there just is, and what is is right in front of me, and I'm going to handle this whether I like it or not. And so all I can do is maintain my own uh, mental state, uh, properly manage my emotions as I just slog through the mud and work my way through it. And so far, I've been handling it fairly well. But admittedly, um, my hours are down compared to last year. So I'm not going to make as much money this year as I did last year, which is in itself slightly disappointing. But uh, I did get a 50 cent raise, which, you know, it's something. A 50 cent raise, it's not enough to make you go, oh yeah, we're on the gravy train now. But on the flip side, 50 cents, it's better than a nickel. It's nothing to turn your nose up at. 50 cents is 50 cents. So there's that at least. But so we have been, uh, my wife and I have been on this opposite schedule kick for a few years now. It's to avoid the insane costs of daycare. My wife is really against daycare because we had a, a very horrible experience. Uh, w- one of our kids was, on multiple occasions, came home riddled in bruises in the shape of teeth. I mean, th- it was bad. Like, o- over a dozen bites in the course of about two weeks. And, yeah, it just... Without getting into the details of that, my wife is really against going back to a daycare because that situation we endured broke her heart. But now, in my head, I'm saying, okay, you know, once we get through Christmas, we'll go back to usual. Sure, we'll have the winter, but in an ideal world, the parcel count and the mail volume will go down after Christmas. And, excuse me, coffee burps. And there, there was a, there's a certain shakeup that is about to occur. So a full-timer, a career full-timer, is choosing to step away from their job. They took a job elsewhere. And so me being number two on the seniority chain to basically put a bid in on a full-time route and then get the the full-time salary with the full benefits and everything is one step closer. But as I said, I'm an aux route driver, and I'm sorry if this is boring, but this is my reality. So I have the smaller of two aux routes. The bigger aux route is all in town, and by all definitions, should realistically be a city route classification, not a rural route. But that route is 15 hours more per week than I work right now. Comes out to 60 hours a month. And when my wife and I were 
crunching the numbers on it, the the increase in salary it was it's enough that it made us consider whether or not I should take that route when the full timer leaves. But when we crunched the numbers, it it meant that we would have to have daycare for our two-year-old every single day. And then our two older kids, we would need ba- babysitter coverage because they're eight and seven. We can't leave them home alone all day uh, during spring break, summer vacation, and, you know, winter vac- winter break. So in doing the numbers, basically what would happen is I would work 60 hours more per month and over two-thirds of that increase in income would go directly to uh, daycare or babysitter fees. So it's one of those situations where you can go ahead and blindly be a rat stuck in the rat race and say, well, I'm going to take this. It's more hours, more money. But when we crunch the numbers, it sure it's more hours, more money. But at at the end of the month, we're actually going to be half a step behind what we're doing right now. And uh, so I felt good about it. My wife and I, since we're, we don't get all that much time together, we basically, for any big decisions that, that are going to be coming down the pipeline, we, we think ahead on, you know, possibilities, you know, what each, basically it's strategic planning is what we do. I don't need to go in depth on how that works. Just just know that we do play strategy. We we do strategic planning with major decisions. And unfortunately, it's about to get shuffled up even more because the like the, it is very unlikely that the the person who is number one on the part-time seniority list is going to say no to placing a bid on the full-time career route that's becoming available. And so I, I, the, the chances of me at, uh, being number two on the list, getting that full-time route that's coming available, no. It's just there's no way in hell. You'd have to be a moron to, to basically say... I'm going to keep this underpaid route. It's overworked and underpaid. And so you can basically take this full-time route where your stress level is already going to be cut in half. You're only going to work four more hours per week than you are now. And you're actually going to make an increase of about $20,000 a year. So that being said, I don't think the number one person on the seniority list is going to say no to this full-time route, which means, you know, I either stay put on my little 23-hour-a-week aux route or I take the 38-hour-a-week aux route. And as I said, uh, my wife and I did a pros and cons list of that, and what it came down to was the only pro was the more money. The cons were completely restructuring our usual schedule in the household. Uh, the stress would be four or five times what I experience on my own route now. 
uh, more wear and tear on the vehicle, blah, 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 blah. The, like there were over a dozen items listed in the cons category and the only pro was more money. So that being said, my wife said all of that added up in that cons category does not make up for the fact that you're only going to be making $800 more each month before you factor in babysitter costs or daycare. So, you know, there it was. We basically had the discussion and decided we got to stay the course. You know, just be patient, keep doing what you're doing, continue being frugal on the budget, you know, just taking those incremental steps forward for, you know, saving money each month. And uh, earlier this year, like what I tried to do, uh, well, a couple of years ago, let's back it up, was I bought a Honda Odyssey. And so big old minivan can fit all kinds of parcels because the the volume capacity. I basically bought that to serve two needs, making sure that I could get three kids in a car relatively easily, easy, excuse me. And so that um, no matter how large a route load would be, I would be able to handle the, the capacity through the size of that minivan. And what I didn't count on was that a minivan driving over rough country roads, the suspension wasn't going to handle uh, everything that I had coming my way. So I, I basically rebit, uh, rebuilt the suspension on my minivan two times in the course of three years. <clears throat> well, my wife and I sat down and decided that we had to cut our losses. So we paid off the minivan and we we looked at something that would have much better gas mileage along the route as well as uh, a suspension that was going to be a little bit tighter, more firm than or at least a little more rugged than the minivan would be. And then also make sure that it was all-wheel drive to handle the winter roads that I have to. I mean, I drive on a road called Rolling Hills. It's out in the country, woods on both sides of the road. Tell me uh, if you can picture Rolling Hills Road in your mind and tell me that's going to be fun when there's an inch of ice on the road. So, um, postal workers that are driving their personally owned vehicles, get something called EMA, which is your gas reimbursement <clears throat> as well as your... It's basically a, a vehicle maintenance uh, stipend in a way. And so what they do is it ranges anywhere from something like 60 cents per mile that you drive up to... 72% or 72 cents per mile. And that is basically evaluated um, every three months and it kind of coincides with, you know, the rise and fall of gas prices. So right now I think it's something in the neighborhood of 65 cents per mile. Now that's non-taxable. And so by biting the bullet and buying a 
Honda CRV for twice as much as my minivan was, the idea was that instead of, because um, there were months where I would spend $1,200 on parts and tools to get my minivan fixed up. And then there were other mar- months, March, months where I would just have to buy brake pads. Now, brake pads all around were still talking just shy of 100 bucks. But so that would range anywhere from 100 bucks to about 1200 with my worst month being I think it was $2000 I spent on vehicle repairs. And so there's no way in hell that 65 cents per mile for gas reimbursement and vehicle maintenance allotment that I'm making $2000 a month. It just doesn't happen. What it comes out to on average for my own route is like $300 a month. So, yeah, I'm drinking coffee for this episode, not drinking beer. Be proud of me, folks. Be proud. Then again, it is only about uh, 6.30 in the morning. But uh, So basically, uh, there is one other driver that I know of who actually drives a Prius. And at first I thought, why would you want to drive that for a mail carrier job, especially with the parcel load only going up and up? And it was, it was a strategic move where basically they bought a vehicle with like insane gas mileage, so they're actually able to generate some profit out of that EMA allotment and reimbursement. So that's kind of what I did with my Honda CRV was yes, I had a vehicle payment that was going to be about $100 more per month than I was paying. But with the increased in gas mileage and a much newer vehicle that was in great shape, I wasn't going to be spending all this money on vehicle repairs. So I got myself situated so that I could actually maximize my income both through my wages and my EMA reimbursement. And so far, it's been working great because I'm, I've been able to squirrel away money with every paycheck rather than pumping it back into repairing the vehicle, at least for the time being. And so fast forward three months, because I bought that Honda CRV in August of 2020, and now I'm being told that... Um, the Postal Service is trying to cut costs, and so they are outfitting all of the auxiliary routes in the United States with a postal-owned vehicle called the Mercedes Metris. And now I'm not totally thrilled. I'm on the fence about that because the Mercedes Metris, it'd be going back to a van. I don't mind that necessarily. It's not going to be my van, so I'm not responsible for the upkeep. I'm not going to be going into debt just to keep a vehicle running so that I can do my job to make money. And, um, But my gripes about it is they made it rear-wheel drive. A rear-wheel drive cargo van. I am not looking forward to driving that thing through the winter. 
But on top of that, by providing a rear-wheel drive postal vehicle for the aux drivers, I did the math, and now I said that it was uh, about $300 a month that I was making uh, through that EMA. And now by doing the math, you know, my average paychecks are just shy of $1,100 every two weeks. And so that means that, you know, I'm, I'm bringing home in the neighborhood of, we'll say conservatively, $2,100 a month, which is definitely not a lot, but these are the facts. And I'm not, I'm not one to be like all tight-lipped about uh, income and finances because, again, this is my reality. This is what we're talking about. This is my show. And so did we crunch, Jess and I crunched the numbers. My wife and I crunched the numbers. And I'm actually going to be, just on paper, my paychecks are going to be monthly $600 less as soon as I get this fucking Mercedes van. The only way that I get to drive a Mercedes is when my job decides they don't want to pay me to keep my own vehicle on the road anymore. So they're going to provide it. So the first and maybe last time I ever get to drive a Mercedes and it's going to be a fucking cargo van for the postal service. Yay. I'm not really a fan of Mercedes, so I don't care that much. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a fun joke. Um, but so (laughs) now what we're looking at is by providing these vans on paper, that's $600 less. I now have a hundred dollar increased car payment for a strategic move in order to maximize my EMA payment or payout and my EMA is about to go away. Now with what they're doing by cutting out that EMA, <clears throat> I'm we again we did the math and basically I'm going to be able to take 2 to 300 dollars depending upon the month out of that budget but I am still going to have a slight budget shortfall. Meaning that I'm going to make less money than I need to pay out each month. And so we did the the we redid the math on the larger aux route because that that route is also getting um uh-oh. Oh, it's still going. Computer problems. Uh, the larger aux route is also getting the cargo van, which could either make uh, life much easier or much more difficult, depending upon road conditions. <clears throat> and so that route as well, because that route actually has less mileage, but twice the number of houses as compared to my route. So that route, too, will lose $600 a month. <clears throat> and so what the math breaks down to is if I were to take the next biggest aux route, at the end of the month, I'm only going to make about one to $200 more than I am right now with the EMA payments on my 23-hour-a-week route. 
And so before taxes, what Jess and I figured out is basically 15 hours more per week, a total of 60 hours a month in order to make $250 more before taxes than what I am doing right now. And so that route would then pay $2,200 after taxes, I think it was. Actually, I can't remember now. But that route would pay $2,200. And with the increase in hours, we would still need a babysitter at least two hours a day, which would cause me to take home less money. Like after the babysitter fees, I'm still going to be bringing home less money than I am right now. So tell me, what would make somebody want to take an increase of 15 hours a week then have to get a babysitter for one to three children depending upon the day and then take home much less than they are currently now we we figured it out uh at least our game plan right now is just stay the course and kind of see how pieces fall into place but this entire situation, if you've stuck with me so far, um, you can understand why we're continuing, in a sense, to take a break away from uh, me continuing my, my spiritual awakenings through uh, philosophy and psychology. Because uh, this is stuff that truly affects the dynamics of the household, it can completely uh, toss up what has been has become our status quo, and so either way you slice it, if if I take that larger route, I'm going to go broke. If I stay on the smaller route that I've had for the last two and a half years, I'm going to go broke faster. And it's it's just amazing to me that as I'm coming up on my third anniversary of working for the postal service they're pulling a move that's going to make it so i might have to get a second job or a completely different job in general uh because they're they're now they're punishing the auxiliary drivers they can't they can't make any cuts on the full-time staff side so they're going to take advantage of the part-time ox drivers who bust their ass six days a week anytime there's a hole we're there to plug it in a non-sexual way so say a full-timer needs vacation but oh wait we're short-staffed that means that an ox driver gets called in after their own route to service that route so my base is 23 hours a week but I very often work an average of 30 hours a week and I don't know, it, it, it kind of feels like they threw sand or they're about to throw sand in my eyes and kick me, kick me in the nutsack. You know, it's, I get why they're doing it in a sense, but I mean, how long, how many EMA payments and a, a lot of those EMA payments, like, yes, you know, you count your oil changes, your brake pads and your gas mileage. Uh, all of that is counted out. So say it does come to $600 a month, 
how how many EMA payments would it take for them to actually buy this Mercedes Metris cargo van 100%? Is that's my question. So in order to save money, they're going to stop reimbursing my mileage and give me a Mercedes. That I just I don't see the logic in that and I hope I honestly hope it doesn't happen. Because it's it's not going to be good overall. Like, sure, yes, I don't have to worry about have basically jacking up my vehicle in the garage and working on it uh, as frequently as I used to. Because now I'm not going to be going through brake pads every six weeks. I'll be going through brake pads every six months or so. But it's still a big chunk of change to lose. And so... I'm just going to have to pretend like nothing's changing until it does. Uh, hope for the best. We're, we're trying to prepare for the worst, but I don't know if there's enough at the bottom line to fully be prepared for the absolute worst-case scenario. And so I just wanted to share all of that because um, I, I know a lot of people have it worse right now. There are people who still haven't been able to be gainfully employed. Their unemployment has been non-existent since being forced out of work due to COVID precautions. But that doesn't mean people like me um, are living high on the hog. I've had a handful of people stop me as I'm delivering parcels to them and say, wow, you must be making money hand over fist right now. I've got one guy who owns a roofing company and works on a farm in the off season say, I guarantee you, you make more money than me. Like, well, this is the first time you and I are talking, so thank you very much. And I mean, you have to maintain that positive reputation. So I just said, well, it pays the bills. I don't know what else to say to that. But in what I wanted to say was between my own route and having to basically adjust for changing conditions and take what hours are thrown at me, I'm able to make an average of $30,000 a year with these EMA payments. And... <laughs> So it just it, it kind of stings not being able to be real with these people who accuse me of basically living on the you know making my living suckling the government teat because if they knew even half of what I've had to go through just in order to keep my job just to keep a vehicle on the road so I can get these hours they wouldn't be so callous and I just mm, I'm maintaining it things are what they are but if we do approach uh, if we do realize the scenario in which I get this Mercedes Metris and I'm not able to make ends meet anymore it we're probably going to have to go back to the drawing board you know, the, that could really shuffle up the daily life and really affect the kids. And 
if you've listened to previous episodes of Rawcast AD, you're well aware by now that a job is just a job. I'm not my job. And my kids are obviously awake and screaming. So a job is just a job. I am not my job. I am me. And my kids come before anything in this world. My kids come before my work. Family first to a fucking T. That is top priority all the goddamn time. And I'll be damned if the United States Postal Service is going to try to pull the rug out from under my feet when I'm the one that hand-stitched that fucking rug for them in the first place. So hopefully uh, future episodes, as we get through the thick of the Christmas season and get slammed in the butthole every other day by overzealous Amazon purchasers, you online shoppers, I get it, trying to, you know, maintain the COVID precautions, but for the love of science, be nice to your delivery drivers. You know, if you can't go 12 miles down the road to Target to get the shit yourself, don't be a douche knocker. Don't be a douche canoe. Don't be a douche rocket to your delivery drivers. I'm not saying you have to tip them around Christmas, but it would be nice. At the very least, say thank you. Make sure that they know you truly appreciate them possibly putting in 12 to 14 hours a day on the road. And in a final note, uh, I have limited my scope of availability because I have to draw the line somewhere. So larger neighboring offices have had employees starting their day at 8 a.m. and not finishing up until about 11 p.m. And due to evaluated routes, they're not actually getting paid fairly for that. So if you got evaluated at seven hours per day and it took you 14 to get it done, you're getting paid seven. And we do have a very large uh, grievance on the national level that's been collecting dust because our union doesn't want to actually take on too much of the grievance process during COVID. So... Basically, most of your mail carriers are stuck between a rock and a hard place right now, and they're rising to the occasion. So again, I reiterate, be kind to the people that are bringing you your bullshit this Christmas season. And with that, I got to go get ready for work. It's another holiday season of awesome. I don't know what else to say to that. I will have another episode out on the 23rd in which I might wish you a Merry Christmas. But until then, try to make it a good week. Be nice to your delivery drivers. Deuces.